Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to come forth in your word and celebrate your glory, your honor, your power, your majesty, 
Lord, all of creation is because of you. You are the living word. You are the word come alive, and you are the life that sustains each one of us. You are the gift of eternal life. You are the gift of healing. You are the gift to the world, the one who sacrificed himself on the cross. So, Father God, we come before you. We exalt your name. And we ask that you bless this broadcast. We ask that you bless every single person in our midst, Father God. We ask that your word come alive in their life, Lord. We particularly pray for the gift of faith further in and deeper and wider into everyone's body, Lord, and into their soul, into their minds. Lord, you say that we would do even greater works. Well, we pray that manifests in our lives, Father God, that your name may be magnified throughout the heavens by the obedience of your servants. As we read your word, Lord, we pray that you give revelation of the things that you want our audience to really take away and each one of us to take away and impart into our lives. Father God, if Jesse or I say anything that is not right, we pray that it falls off of the ears of those who hear it, uh, Father, and that we can even have immediate correction, that we would repent and, and put correction forward. We never want to misrepresent you or your word in any way. We pray this in the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesse, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, what a day. I'm so looking forward to this word once again. Uh, I just love doing these thing shows on Sunday. I'm telling you, Jesse. I do as well. <laughs> and for me, the, the way I run my schedule is Sunday is my first work day of the week, essentially. And, you know, what a blessed way to start off your work week in just reading the word and you know yeah. and because the, the you know this podcast has become you know your substance and my substance the lord is making a way for us to be in his service and reading and i'm just i'm so grateful absolutely you know, i am well. <laughs> so grateful hey speaking of grateful a uh, couple notes uh if you did not see the Saturday night sermon last night. You need to go and watch it. Uh, one of our special guests, a friend inside of the community of uh, Right On Radio, Dewey. He's a he's him and his wife have been in ministry for a long time. Uh, he's really into the Judeo Christian thing. He uh, he knows a lot about the Jewish culture and he brings in some interpretations and he talks about the Book of Revelation. And he gives actually actionable items and by what God is saying, what we should be doing in these times. And there's one particular part that I don't want to give away uh, the stuff of, of his sermon, Jesse, but there's one particular part when he talks about the healing pools and stuff like that. And he gives some insight that I have never heard before. And I'm telling you, it just, it was confirmed in my spirit. Um, so Thank you for, thank you, Dewey. And, uh, and by the way, uh, Dewey is a real special guy in our midst. Oh, I'm going to run out of power here. Just give me a second. got to plug in, um, uh, with my Liberty stand. I just want to lift him up. He has been one of the first people, uh, to, you know, partner with us. And, uh, when people sign up, uh, he is one of the people who might be calling you. So that's a, 
if that's an indication of the quality of the people that we have working with us, uh, that is a very good example. Yeah. Wonderful person. So, and yeah, I did, yeah. I did catch most of that sermon last night. So really enjoyed it. Well done. Yeah, it, it was just fantastic. It, you know, as was, oh, they all have been, you know, quite yeah, honestly. They all they, have they, been. They all I've have been, been. I was going to say, I really have been enjoying the Saturday night sermons and, Everybody who's been on there, you know, Pastor Joe, everybody has just done an excellent job. Very encouraging, very uplifting. Yeah, we we haven't had a bad one yet. And uh, I don't expect we ever will, of course, Uh, but it was powerful. And then uh, just uh, I got to say, following up uh, after that was the prayer meeting. And uh, man, we are so fortunate to have such amazing prayer people in our midst. It was truly a blessed night. I stayed quiet. I prayed just a tiny little bit, uh, but I prayed along with everyone. I just, I was just tired. I had a long day. Uh, and, uh, but it, it's, a, it's amazing. And when I was uh, just going through this and, you know, Peter and John were going up to the temple and it talks about their faith. And, and I thought of uh, Shiloh and watching wall. They're almost like our Peter and John here, you know, uh, they just really, really have a gift for what they're doing with this uh, prayer. And I'm yeah, so thankful absolutely. for them. Yeah. Okay, Jesse, anything else before we start? No, I'm ready to start, Jeff. All right. Well, why don't you start reading and then I will continue wherever you decide to leave off. Okay. So one day... Uh, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together uh, to them, at the portico named Solomon's completely astonished. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made him walk the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate 
when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, a fact which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. The faith which comes through him has given him perfect health in presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers also did. But the things which God previously announced by the mouths of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled this way. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send us the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouths of his holy prophets from ancient times. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your countrymen. To him you shall listen regarding everything he says to you, and you shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward have also announced these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God ordained with your fathers, saying to Abraham, all in your seed, all the families and earth shall be blessed. God raised up his servant for you first and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Yeah, very powerful reading. Now, Jeff, uh, what version were you reading from this morning? From the NASB. Okay. Yeah, I was help? reading from the I was reading from the NIV. Uh, I personally read the NASB um, when I'm doing my personal prayer time. But yeah, listen, I'll I'll go to the NIV. I've got I've got an NIV, a, a KJV, you know, a NASB right beside me. So you know, yeah. um, I think it's good to look at them all. You just get a bigger picture. Absolutely. So one of the so let's just set a groundwork here. <coughs> Excuse me, I used my voice a lot yesterday. Uh, by the way, uh, so yesterday I was at the uh, Freedom Convoy 2022. They went into Toronto. Uh, that's near me, so I went, and uh, my voice is uh, just a little bit rough because of it. Uh, later today, I will tell you that uh, if you're interested. I took some video. I had planned on doing a uh, a podcast from down there. It was just impossible. It was way too noisy. And uh, I was going to do some uh, live videotaping. Well, I did some live videotaping, but I couldn't do live on YouTube because, remember, they took our channel down, so I had to go through a back door to get another channel. If I connect it on my phone, like I have to go through some like VPN stuff to pull this off. <laughs> and 
And if I connect it on my phone, they'd say, oh, it's that guy again, I think. So I don't want to take that chance. Um, <laughs> so, but, but I did take some video and uh, just about five minutes of video. But uh, one of the things is, you know, at, uh, at one point in time, Jesse, uh, I just through fortunate circumstance, I'll just say this. Um, one of the public speakers there uh, had recognized me. And uh, his last name is DeSantis, so that's pretty easy to remember. Danny DeSantis, thank you. Uh, and Danny DeSantis had uh, recognized me from the podcast, said he loves our stuff. And uh, he got the main person to uh, get me on stage, and I was able to speak for a few minutes in front of about 20,000 people. That's awesome. So uh, I'll throw up that video for what it's worth. And uh, <laughs> and my buddy actually caught... Uh, me anointing people and things like that on stage. So uh, there's a short video of that as well. And uh, we'll put that up later on YouTube. So uh, if you choose, you can watch it. All right. So the first thing that I want to talk about in this is this is really the first miracle of the apostles. You know, they, obviously they, they were speaking in tongues and stuff in the last chapter, but now this is the rubber hitting the road. This is This is a real healing here. So yeah. let's just let's just start out. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. What is the ninth hour and the hour of prayer? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I believe it's you know in that in those days they kind of had segmented uh, different times where you know morning, noon, and night they would gather together to pray. And it's important to point out that usually only the men were allowed in the synagogue to pray and only Jewish men, um, you know, those who were not Jewish were allowed to sit in the outer courts. But here you have a man who is Jewish, who's sitting outside of the temple and begging uh, because of his, um, we could say infirmity or his disability. And that he's been doing this his entire life. You know, it's the only way that he survives is from, you know, the kindness and the blessing of uh, his fellow Jews who would, who would provide, you know, just for food and things for him. But um, it's interesting, the concept of all of this, you know, they had a duty to care for those who were less fortunate. Um you know, and usually how they did that was just making sure they had food and water and things like that. Um, but there wasn't really any going above and beyond for this person who had been born in this situation. Yeah, so he was born that way. So what's what's really interesting about this is, um, well, there's a couple things. So this is a place where Jesus probably uh taught before jesus probably walked past this person many times and even when we see when jesus going to the healing pools you know there's a lot of people there that needed healing but jesus didn't heal everyone and you know listen god's timing is god's timing you know not every one of us gets healed exactly when you want to get healed let's face it and so jesus probably walked by this uh this beggar uh, and thought, no, 
It's not your, he's, I, he knew he, we'd be healed, but he goes, no, I'm going to wait for Peter and John, you know, Peter and John are going to take care of you. And so the other thing, and, and by the way, so this is written by Luke and Luke is a doctor. And so Luke being a witness to this, you know, and being a doctor is really talking in medical terms as we get going. So when you think about this, a person who was born with this infirmity uh, couldn't walk, so he'd probably get laid there every single day and then carried back to wherever he slept. And there would have been no muscle development. He has never walked. He has never, you know, been able to do anything. Uh, so he's being carried every day. And, you know, this this guy never had a childhood there. He could run and play with other kids. or He knows nothing. There's no muscles at all. And I think that's really important to show the extravagance of this miracle. Now, Jesse, it says the beautiful gate. Uh, the gate at the temple, which is called beautiful, in order to beg for charitable gifts and entering the temple grounds. Do you know much about the beautiful gate? I was just looking that up, actually. Um, you know, uh, let's see what it says about that. I don't, you know, I know that there were different, the way the temple was built, you had, I think it was um, three gates that would each be on the four different sides of that temple. And, um, you know, they had certain protocols for which gates you could enter in and which gates that um, you were not allowed to enter into. And each of those gates have a specific name. So um, let's see here. It says that, uh, you know, the beautiful gate was considered one of the outer gates of the Temple Mount um, because of its proximity proximity to Solomon's porch. So Solomon's porch was kind of um, that area that was, it's kind of like to the side of where the priests are going to enter into the back area of the temple. So it's considered one of those outer gates. Um, and it's on uh, the eastern wall of the Temple Mount. So you know, as we look at that, what's interesting about that is that um, that eastern part is where um, the Spirit of God had entered into the original temple that was built, but it also was the same gate that the Lord had, the Spirit of God exited when he left the temple. And you know, in visions that I've shared about the healing pools, um, that's where I see them is flowing out of that eastern side. And then they, you know, there's no wall like in heaven. It just drops down into this waterfall that then flows out um, as the still waters. And, you know, I've seen the oaks of righteousness that line um that stream of living water that flows from there. So it's interesting that it lines up with that Eastern healing pool side in the Lord's heavenly courts. Um, 
so I listen, I, I didn't know much about this and I, it, you're right. I, I thought it was the Eastern side of the gate and I do know about Solomon's porch, which is inside of the temple and essentially it's a covered area. So if you're, if you have inclement weather, uh, it was a very good spot to be obviously, because some of it was open air, uh, inside of the temple. Uh, but the beautiful gate was really a feature. Um, it was so beautiful. Apparently the, the gate was about 75 feet high. Uh, now I'm just relying on some other YouTubers who seem to know what they're talking about for this information. So I'm, um, I just want to be uh, careful in saying that. And, uh, you know, you have to do your own, uh, research and ask God for discernment on it. But that's what I was finding when I was looking. Um, uh, but now what, what's great is the beggar is asking to receive a gift and he, you know, and, uh, Peter says, looked at him intently. Look at us. We got no silver or gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He seems to challenge that thought and, you know, um, what was the part that kind of stuck out to me, you know, is that he demands that attention, which, you know, in those days, I'm sure that beggar for the majority of his life has lived with people just walking past him, you know, never looking at him, never really seeing who he is. They would just, you know, throw money at him, um, you know, and, and he just kind of was there. But they demand, you know, that eye contact, that saying, hey, oh, like, look at point. us because we you know, we do have something to give you, but it's not going to be what you think. And, you know, as somebody who's a social outcast, you know, that human contact, I think is just so important. Yeah. It, you know, look at me in the eyes, essentially. And, yeah. you know, who would have said that to him before? You're right. Like, he's probably just laying on his side, you know, please keep yeah. me alive, you know. Um, but they, they took notice and, uh, that I'm really glad you brought that up, Jesse. That's really important. And, you know, perhaps it's a important message to us to really pay attention to those who no one really pays attention to, you know, yeah. honestly, there's, uh, you know, even, even in with, within cliques in society, there's one or two people that don't quite fit in. They're just there and, you know, and they're nice people. So everyone lets them hang around, but they don't really get noticed. And, mm -hmm. you know, you probably know someone like that. Maybe, yeah. no, maybe really notice them. And, and in, in some way that could be just very healing for them as well. And it can save lives. Um, you know, I had somebody once that he, you know, was just so frustrated with life. He literally was going to take his life and he had prayed and asked the, you know, kind of just said, okay, God, like if you're real, um, you know, if you care about me, then let one person, you know, take a moment to stop and smile at me today and say hello. And, you know, he had gone for a long time without even having that really happen where he felt like somebody just appreciated him. And so, you know, it was like, I was just walking through the hallway, saw this person just, you know, smiled and was like, hey, how are you today? 
And he's, he stopped and he said, you know what? I was going to go home and kill myself tonight. And he said, but you were that answer to my prayer and told me the story. So we never know like what that little bit of contact is really going to, you know, mean to somebody. And it might be, you know, exactly what they need to hear or, um, you know, what they need to change their life around. So. Yeah. And look at, well, right there, that saved someone's life and yeah. it really can make an impact. And I, you know, it, it's something I think I've started doing a few years ago is just really trying to take notice of those who are not noticed as often. And, and uh, I'll tell you, but you know, it's, it's not an act of pity or anything like that. Uh, certainly right. not. Um, it's an act of love. And quite honestly, I feel great doing it, you know, and, and usually it's quite interesting because the person's, you know, got something important to say. Everybody does. Yeah. Not one of us are well, greater than the next. I think it's more than that. Like we're, we're in this time frame in society where, you know, there's so much segregation and separation from one another. And I think back, you know, to my great grandmother was an individual I loved hearing her stories, but what I loved most is that, you know, her and my great grandfather were really amazing at greeting people. So it was like every time you visited or, you know, I can remember, you know, it was like, even if I was visiting multiple days, every morning when I got up, you know, she would be even standing up out of her chair to greet me and say, good morning, give me a big hug and a kiss, you know, and then at night it was the same thing. Like, you know, she would make sure you had her attention. She'd get up, look you in the eyes, give you that hug and say good night. And we really have gotten away from that in a society, you know, even at work, you know, we we go in, we're so focused. It's like you sit down at your computer desk and just start working. And do we really take that time to really greet people and just appreciate them before we get on with our day? Well, you know, come to think of it, Jesse, I, I don't feel that you greet me properly in the mornings. <laughs> I'm working on that, Jeff. <laughs> I admit, I, I'm one of those very task oriented people. So <laughs> as you can tell, the Lord's working with me on it. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you and I have that in common, of course. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, for the audience, I was really kidding. Uh, Jesse always is very personable and always tells me what's going on in her life and asks what's going on in my life. <laughs> so all right, back to the scriptures. I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have to give you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. So, okay, so silver and gold, but in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Now, Think of the amount of faith that it takes to say something to a guy who has never walked. And remember, Luke is recording this. 
This guy has no muscle development whatsoever. Luke is a doctor, and that's why he put that in, that he was that way from the womb. That's the spe that's specifically why he did that. But now, not only saying that, to go over to him and to reach out your hand, like he knew he was going to stand up and walk. Right. Yeah, it's powerful. And, you know, even when you get to the medical side of this, you know, as you brought out that somebody who was born this way, you know, they're going to have um, muscles that have dystrophied and, you know, have no strength. Like they're, you literally, if you don't use it, um, you get that dystrophy and you're unable to use it. It takes a long time, a lot of therapy to build those muscles up, you know, so that faith just to be, you know, to say, get up, stand up and walk. You know, we, we aren't even told if this guy ever even knew how to walk. You know, if he was born well, with he this. Have. Yeah, he most likely didn't even know how to walk. And so you've got a double miracle here. And, you know, I do have a question, though. Um, you know, some people have asked when you know, when you feel like the Lord wants you to speak healing over somebody, um, you know, obviously we see the method that they, they gave the command in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, do you feel like it's important that we have to say it in that way, you know, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, or could it be, you know, in the name of Jesus? What are your thoughts on that, Jeff? Well, I think here um, he uses Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth uh, specifically because he knows who his, audi who his audience is. And that's later confirmed when he gets into Peter's second sermon. Um, so I don't think you have to say the Nazarene or from Nazareth. Um, but yeah, it's. I think you do have to use the name of the Lord, obviously, because uh, you don't got the power, you know. And, and even when, you know, we'll get to in later verses, when they start looking at them in amazement, <laughs> so don't look at me, <laughs> dude, you know, you killed the guy, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it, it gets really good. But no, I think they, he just said the Nazarene, uh, specifically because they want, he wanted to identify, uh, this and it sets up the speech. Yeah. I think besides setting up the speech, I believe that it was a direct sign to those who had played a part in Jesus's death, that you know these healings were being done in His name after His death and resurrection. So, I think it was very purposefully a sign. I don't believe, you know, I've had people receive healing uh, just by praying in Jesus' name. So I don't believe that we have to word for word uh, repeat that to get the exact same miracle. Like, I don't believe it's a formula. I guess we could put it that way. No, I, I think, listen, if there is a formula, God tells you, go do this, and then you go do it, and you give him the credit. You take the credit, nah, I feel sorry for you. Then, yeah, then you can become a, a prosperity preacher. <laughs> we don't want to be those, Jeff. <laughs> no, not, not these Kundalini spirit healers. All right, we won't get off track. Um, 
and I, I've actually named this one the the uh, the lame leaper because what I just love the fact that uh, um, and leaping up he stood and began to walk. So actually, let me go back. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. So it's almost like, you know, if Luke being a doctor is watching this, he's probably hearing like some crackling, you know, his ankles coming together. And so, listen, it, this guy had zero muscle fortitude. He, he couldn't have had any. There's no way he could have walked. But leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Yeah. Can you, I, I, you'd leap too, you know? Yeah, I just think of, you know, I've worked with a lot of people with disabilities and just, you know, that amazement, that joy that, you know, it just shows the joy that was received in that miracle that he, he got something finally good, you know, it, it opened up the world to this man, you know, it was the greatest gift he had ever received. And imagine that for you know, somebody who was his entire life outside of, you know, God's temple, he didn't get to go in with the other men. He didn't get to, you know, be in God's presence. And so, you know, I can imagine that he probably felt this segregation or this uh, distance between himself and God. And, you know, that that weighed on his personal value, how he saw himself, you know, maybe he really believed that he was never worth it, that, you know, he'd never get to enter into the Lord's presence. And then with a single word, this man says, get up and walk and takes him in with them. And, you know, imagine that entering into the Lord's presence for the very first time. And, you know, you're able to walk in there yourself and know that God wants you in there. God wants to be with you. Yeah. And listen, who knows? This guy probably never made it in, you know, uh, he was, he had to be carried wherever he went and, you know, he probably couldn't do the proper stature or, you know, kneeling or whatever that was required inside the temple. And you got to remember, like, this is. So all the people in here that are watching this are the Pharisees, are the, you know, they, they, these are the, the people who killed Jesus. And, you know, that, that becomes evident as we go further on here. Um, but when they recognized him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So, yeah, there you know, there's no denying you've seen this. He's probably been there. Like, we don't know how old this guy was, but we assume he's a man at this point in time. So, you know, it's at least two decades. I'm going to say maybe three or four decades, you know, um, yeah. they, they, they all recognized him because when it says, you know, they all, you know, that's not some of them. They all did. And while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran to them at the portico named Solomon's uh, porch, completely astonished. 
So they all ran, you know, so you can imagine like not everyone saw the miracle, but this guy is kind of leaping going into this place. And all of a sudden the stir that's in this place must've been just incredible. You know, yeah. people are, Hey, did you see this? Get over here. Did you see this? You know, and let's face it. Everyone has a, uh, has an infirmity of some kind, you right. know, I, I, <laughs> I've certainly got my disadvantages in life. <laughs> yeah. I probably would have ran too. Yeah. And that joy, you know, it, it tended to be such a solemn place, I think, you know, or a place where the men would gather and argue uh, through scripture or debate through scripture. And yet all of a sudden, you know, there's joy, there's laughter in God's house and this man is leaping. And, you know, it's interesting that same word leaping, um, you know, I, I think it's similar in its translation in, to the Hebrew word, which uh, was a word that um, in the Old Testament, you know, it says that David danced and leaped before the Lord. You yeah. know, so maybe it was, it's been a very long time since anybody has been like that in the Lord's presence where they're, you know, leaping and almost that dance like. Uh, position before the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up as well, Jesse, because, you know, I, I like to picture things and, you know, uh, so there's a couple, actually, there's a couple things that come to mind. So first of all, I don't think the Pharisees inside this place were like a party, <laughs> you know, no, very <laughs> staunchy and pious and <laughs> reserved. <laughs> That's right. And, and you know what, I'm just sort of actually just kind of being reminded as I'm getting the, the visual of this and you think it's, uh, you know, Peter and, uh, and John were the ones, oh, Peter prayed and, uh, Peter and John lifted this guy up. So what, what's really neat. And this just taught, brought me back to a couple of Saturdays ago with Eric's sermon and Eric was talking about the, uh, the, the guy who needed healing and they low and his four friends carried him all the way up there. And then they couldn't get past the crowd. So they get on the roof. They remove the tiles on the roof. They're lowering this guy down. Now it wasn't the faith of the guy being lowered down. And Jesus often said, your faith has healed you. But in yeah. that instance, Jesus looked up at the, uh, at the friends and you know, it's because of your faith essentially in here. Uh, so, you know, let's face it. The, the, the hardest thing to have faith for personally is when you need a personal miracle. Yeah. But your friends who have faith might be, you might be able to borrow from their faith. You know, they pray for you just saying it. It's just faith is such a gift, but yeah. God's timing is sovereign, but that's why and maybe I'm always that's part praying. Of the receiving, you know, that's a good point that, you know, it's easy for us to believe for someone else, but to receive that, that, you know, maybe we honestly don't have the faith to believe for our own healing, but to receive that and say, Lord, you know, I'm going to trust that because my friends are believing that you are going to do that work and I'm going to praise you and count, count it done, you know? So I guess I'll be the first Jeff to say that, you know, I know I've got a lot of people putting their faith out there for my healing, especially for my thyroid and lungs. 
So I'm going to receive that today. And I'm going to say, you know, Lord, I accept it. I accept that healing in faith. Amen. Well, we will pray along with that. Um, you, you know, another thing that comes to mind is there's that movement that's always kind of rubbed me wrong. And that's, um, you know, with the faith healing movement and, well, no, no, God will heal you. Just your faith isn't enough. Well, this man had no faith in being healed. So when you hear that, no, no, you haven't been healed because your faith isn't strong. The, the Bible completely debunks that theology. So I want to be yeah. clear on that as well. And that person, instead of saying you haven't been healed because you don't have enough faith, maybe they need to be turning that around saying, you know, we have faith, therefore you will be healed. You know, so it's kind of a lack of faith on two ends. That's right. Um, you know, that, that's right. If you, you have enough faith to say that you're not healed by your health, well, so we'll step in, dude, you know? And, and, yeah, I want to share an interesting story uh, that kind of goes along with this, just to show the power of God. Um, from the time I was, I think I was probably, let me think, I think starting around age 15, maybe even a little earlier, so probably age maybe 13, 14, through my young adult years, um, I, you know, I had several different churches that I would go to and I did a lot of street evangelism. And between these seven churches, I would bring, you know, people according to which church they would fit into best. But um, I loved that, you know, one of those churches, they always had their doors open at 7 a.m. every morning. And so, you know, every day I would just go and I loved, like, it was a big church, big hallways. And I just felt led to always be walking those hallways and I would be praising and worshiping the Lord as I went. And I'd be praying like the way the hallways were built, like, um, you had like all these beautiful windows on the outside, but then the pastor's offices were like on the inside part as you walked around. And so I would just go, I'd be praying for all the staff and the pastors as I walked through and stuff. And it was really funny because the head pastor, you know, I didn't know him very well, but, um, you know, we had gotten to talk a few times and he really supported uh, my evangelism and street ministry. And so anyway, every time I got to his door, the Lord would stop me and tell me to pray for his heart. And I would kind of argue with the Lord. I'd be like, well, Lord, there's nothing wrong with Joe's heart. Like, I don't understand why you keep having me pray for his heart. But I did, you know, so I spent probably about a good five or so, maybe, you know, closer to 10 years, five or 10 years like praying for this man every single day for his heart. And what it was 15 years later, um, one day I see his, his daughter sends out this Facebook message and she says, pray, pray. You know, my dad has to go in for emergency, a quadruple bypass. Like they said, you know, he's got some clogs going on. 
And all of a sudden, immediately, the Lord just reminded me of all those times of prayer. And the Lord said, let Joe know he's prayed up. So I contacted his daughter and I said, hey, you got to get this message to your dad. He'll know exactly what I'm saying because he used to see me walking those halls. And so I said, you know, remember when I used to walk those halls as a young girl? I said, every day the Lord had me stop and pray for your heart. I said, so trust your heart is prayed up. It's been prayed up for 15 years. You're going to be fine. And so he got that message right before he went into surgery. And afterwards, he messaged back and he said, I want to thank you for that. He said, you know, I just had so much peace going into that. And he said, I'm just amazed that God, you know, would would do something like that. You know, it's just a miracle. So, you know, we never know how God's going to use those stored up prayers for certain things, but trust, you know, that he does. Well, yeah, because what 15 years, you know? Yeah. And what's interesting is this, like there was another miracle real quick with him, but um, when I graduated seminary, I didn't have any family or any people who could attend. And I didn't even know through all those years, I did not know he was an alumni of the same seminary that I went to. So what happened was that, you know, I go for my graduation dinner and all of a sudden I see Pastor Joe and I'm like, what the heck, Pastor Joe's here. And um, he had he had been invited as the guest speaker of all the chances in the world, invited as a guest speaker. And the Lord allowed him to watch me graduate. So imagine that he he had watched me as a young girl in his church, you know, had we had both been praying for each other and he got to see the fruit of all that and got to be, you know, the Lord literally brought somebody I knew to be there who had invested in my ministry when I was young to watch me graduate to become a chaplain. So very powerful. So he brought the story full circle, you know, he did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that is beautiful. And yeah. Like, why am I praying for this? But so Jesse, <laughs> let's see, you'll probably be alive, you know, assuming the Lord, well, let's say that we, we think the Lord's coming back sooner than later, but let's say we're wrong and you're going to be alive another 50 years. Do you commit to pray for me for the 50 years? <laughs> oh, absolutely, Jeff. Jeff, I was praying for you before I knew you. <laughs> the Lord was like, yo, Jess, you're going to have this ministry partner named Jeff, and he needs a lot of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. I, and, and by the way, prayer is welcomed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, but when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you so amazed at this? And why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made him walk. So, you know, these are apostles saying, look, we're not holy. We, we don't have any power, but yet Jesus said, you'll do greater things than even I. And these guys knew this and they just did it. But we don't, they didn't think for a second that they had the power. So are they hearing clearly from God? Do you think Peter heard in his head, 
Peter, look to the left and look at the man in the eye and tell Heal him to get up. <laughs> I do. I totally do. You know, it, it's what happens to me. I guess I just go from my own personal experiences. You know, like I remember one time I was in a movie theater and I see one of the staff, you know, this young kid, um, but it looked like he was dealing with hip issues. You know, it kind of looked a little bit like polio or something like that. And it was so weird. Like I just got that overwhelming sense, like the Lord, you know, as I'm looking at him, the Lord just said, walk over there, put your hand on him and speak healing over him. And I'm just like, wait, what, you know, but it got so strong that there was no way I could walk away from him. So I just had to go over there and put my hand on him and say, you know, excuse me, I couldn't help but notice your limp. And I'm going to say to you, you know, the Lord wants to heal that. So in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And then I walked away. Um, you know, I don't know whatever came of that, what happened to that. But it was like the Lord just called me in that moment to do that, you know, or I, I've had utter miracles where, you know, one of my favorite was um, this man who got a, tra a kidney transplant. And, um, you know, the moment he woke up from that surgery, he started proclaiming and he was like, God healed me. And then he kept getting louder and louder. So any staff that came into his room, he'd be like, Jesus healed me. I'm healed. I can feel it, you know? And he was just so adamant. And he was like, the Lord completely gave him that kidney. He didn't have any complications. He didn't have to be like on all the, you know, the meds so your body doesn't reject it. Like he just was immediately healed. and. You know, I will never forget that. And we even had a non-Christian doctor who, when he went to shake that doctor's hand, the doctor felt this like power surge go through their hands and later came to me and I got a witness to the doctor because he was like, what was that? He was like, I felt this surge of power. And I was like, well, that was the Lord. <laughs> Yeah, I know of a I know of a nine year old girl who had stage four cancer and was on her deathbed was supposed to live less than two weeks, and a bunch of people prayed and uh, and people I know were there with her, and uh, she was completely healed like in an hour. It was just incredible what had happened, and uh, I, I think I've shared this story before as well, Jesse, uh, but kind of my. <laughs> I've seen a lot of miracles, particularly in the first few years I was a Christian. That's when I saw the most amount of miracles. You know, after that, I think, you know, I think God was proving himself to me. And then, you know, God says, now, now you got to grow up. And, you know, <laughs> I'm a little slow sometimes. <laughs> but when, uh, when we first got saved, uh, there's a, a good friend of mine, a brother in the Lord, um, known him a long time. And we both were baptized together. We both were saved. I was saved about a month before him. And then he came in. And um, anyways, a, a friend of mine is kind of a big rock star now. And uh, 
at the time he was just kind of going his way up the ladder, but he was playing a big club uh, down in Toronto and it was his uh, CD release party, big deal, uh, record execs there, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, it, it, you know, there's, you know, it, not a huge venue, but probably about 300 people or something like that. And, uh, and my friend and I went in there just to support our friend, uh, who by the way, has now come to the Lord, even though he's kind of a big rock star. Um, anyways, we, we were there and we're in front of the stage listening to him play and, Something happened when we walked into that room and alcohol sales fell right down. Like people stopped drinking. It wasn't like we were telling people to stop there. It just people stopped drinking. We watched this and my friend's band is playing and it's so loud in there. But all of a sudden, all these people started walking up to my friend and I and saying, can you pray for me? Will you pray for me? And so literally we're in a concert and people are stopping drinking that we don't even know who probably are not Christians coming up and asking for prayer. And then when we were driving home, we were just so filled with the Holy Spirit. We're driving past homeless people and we're just believing the books of Acts, right? We're just pointing and going, get up and walk, right? But we're driving by, so we don't know if they did or not, but but we believe that some did. Anyways. Uh, yeah. What's interesting is you're saying that, Jeff, that, you know, it it brings forth a, a vision, like I'll just say visions that I keep having. And I think it's the Lord redefining for me how things are supposed to look. Um, you know, I grew up in homes where everything was very quiet, very private. You know, you pray by yourself and, you know, I may pray out loud if I'm in the bathroom or in a closed room by myself. But we live in a society where really, you know, besides maybe those few occasions where you're at a church where they're doing deliverance or anointing, usually you don't really hear people just going around praying out loud. And, you know, but that's the way it should be. Like we should be in this constant conversation where the Lord is part of that, even in our homes, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to be out and about talking with the Lord in front of other people and bringing him into that conversation. And, you know, I have to say that that's an area where I myself have to grow, but what would be the impact to our world if, you know, like I was just thinking as you were saying that, because, you know, when the Lord had told um, me that we were to, you know, go out and do anointing, he gave me a whole bunch of prayers to show all the different ways that that anointing is applied. And so, you know, as I was believing in that, you know, praying over that oil, the thing that the Lord had me pray into there was belief that, you know, I believe when I use this oil that I'm anointing unto healing. I believe that when I use it, I'm anointing unto deliverance, different things like that. So even as you were saying, you know, I saw in the chat, they were asking, you know, somebody if she had anointed the tables in her restaurant or whatever. But imagine that if you're going around and you've got that oil and you're saying, you know, I'm putting this on my doorframe, Lord. I'm believing that everybody who comes through this door that needs healing today is going to receive that healing, whoever that looks, Lord. If you want me to pray for them, I'm going to pray for them. But if not, you know, let them come in, let them feel that power of your presence and, and feel your touch and know 
that they've had an experience of you today, or even in our homes, you know, say we're having trouble in our marriage or with our kids, go around, start anointing the places where they're going to sit and say, Lord, I believe that healing. I believe that restoration in relationship. I believe that you're going to start to create these miracles in my life, in my family, in my community that are going to impact the world. And that really needs to be our mindset, you know, not where it's like a circumstantial moment, but where literally it becomes how we live. And that's how we get to the praying without ceasing and things like that. But you bring up that point, like if you're having a trouble with your marriage or something like that. And by the way, I didn't plan on this, but we do have that course foundations for love. It's on for like 77 yeah. bucks right now. I'm telling you, it's not only your marriage, it's every relationship. But even if you have good relationships, you can learn a lot from this guy. Uh, it's really, really good uh, available and right on you. Uh, Absolutely. But- yeah, it's it's really good. There's a reason why it's up there. Uh, what what you were saying about that with you know the circumstances, what, what our human reaction is when you said circumstantial, so true. Let's say you know, uh, well, my husband will never change. He always does this, and we just go around in that circumstance, and we keep saying these things in our head. And don't you know that every single thought is a prayer? It is a prayer. Every single thought, God hears every single thought. You keep saying, my husband's a prick. He won't do this. He won't do that. Guess what? Your husband, you're praying to God for him to be that way. So exactly what Jesse said, turn it around or my kids never behave. Okay. Start going around your house. Say, no, 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 no. We're going to do, we're going to do this. We're going to do it in love. I just think that there was such wisdom in what you said there, Jesse. Yeah, and declaring those things, you know, um, not being afraid to teach your kids to have that open conversation, you know, because it's not like the Lord just comes when we kneel down to pray. You know, it is, he's always with us everywhere that we go. So, you know, it's like, why do we exclude him out of the conversation? You know, if he's really present in our home, you know, why are we not? just talking to him all the time. I know I've said this before and I'm going to say it again and you'll hear it for years and years and years as we go. But if you knew how powerful your thoughts were, you would never have a negative thought again. Yeah. And listen, we all have negative thoughts. I'm not exempt. I'm a work in progress, but you know, one of the things that I've been working on for literally more than two decades is to take my thoughts captive. It doesn't always work. And Jesse is a, is a true witness to that. Not always working in my life. Um, she has seen a side of me that I does not come out very often. And, uh, thankfully she has forgiveness for me. (laughs) Well, it goes both ways. It does. I, I, I appreciate that. You know, if, since we're talking about relationships and connection, like, you know, there's value in that being vulnerable with each other that, you know, none of us are perfect. We all have good days. We all have bad days, but you know, you know, when you have true fellowship, when you can just, you know, be you even on those bad days and that person, you know, 
let's just say values investing in the relationship where they're, you know, willing to work things out. They're willing to talk things out, be, you know, just lay things bare before each other and, and express that vulnerability. And it, it can be really difficult to do, but, you know, I think of this going back then to our chapter here, you know, that's basically what Peter was doing with these Sadducees and Pharisees. You know, he's calling things out as they are that, you know, why, why are you amazed? Like you already saw these things happening. You've already been seeing these miracles, you know, not just with Jesus, but with the disciples that had gone out. They had already heard rumors of these things, which was exactly why, you know, they put Jesus to death. And it, it was after he rose Lazarus from the death or from yeah. the dead. That's when they started to plot against him. So he, so they're like, why are you amazed at this? That, you know, this man who was born lame is now walking. You've already seen and witnessed the power of God. And it was because of this power of God and this display of power that you chose to put him to death. You know, why? Because you don't want to make him the Lord of your life. And because he challenged their power. You got to understand they had power, right? Because they were the upholders of the law. And, you know, and so they put themselves over humanity, the ultimate act of selfishness. But of course, Jesus knew that that would happen. And, you know, he just when they thought they had won. And by the way, I, I think you can relate this story to what's happening right now. Just when they thought they had won, watch what God does. But uh, there's there's a couple more spots here uh, that are just worth pointing out. Uh, it's good to know who your audience is. And one of the things that we were talking about just a few moments ago, Jesse, is kind of being bold and being able to say it out loud and even in public and things like that. Um, so one of the things that I've done, and I know I've told you this before, but, you know, listen, I my ministry has always been to get the unsaved in. I'm, I'm not the guy who ministers to the uh, people who are deep-rooted in the word and stuff like that. My ministry is to, you know, get more people into the kingdom and then hand them over to people who are much more studied than I am. But one of the ways that I do that and bring up the conversation is, uh, let's face it, the world uses the word, the, the Lord's name in vain often, mm-hmm. often. You hear it on TV and movies. So people repeat it in real life, of course. And here's what I do every time. If someone says, Jesus Christ, I go, Buddha. (laughs) And then they look at me like, what the heck? What are you you yelling Buddha at me and pointing? And I do. I I, Buddha. I point. I say, well, you're going to use my God's name in vain. I'm going to use yours. And it starts a conversation and then they know to have that respect to not do that in front of me again. And it's a testament of faith and I'll do that in front of anyone. I don't care who they are. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to bring it out, you know, to, to challenge what's happening and not being afraid to address those issues that are going on. 
Well, it, it's that's one of the most offensive things to me is when people use the Lord's name in vain, and they do it out of ignorance. I get it. I love those people, uh, and and actually, it's a it's an act of love to stand up to them. And I just happen to use that as a catchphrase because it catches them off guard, right? Yeah. You know, yep. it wasn't something I planned to do. I just started doing it. It worked once really well, so I kept doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So funny, but. It, so yeah, so knowing your audience and and you know he he names you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because that's how they always referred to him. And then he says all the prophets that came to you before, and and even the ones you didn't listen to, like Jeremiah. Not a lot of people listen to him, right? But he kept doing it, and he kept going in that faith. And you know, it's uh oh, I've inspired someone, Jesse. You did. <laughs> How did you do that? Right on, Trina. <clears throat> so know who you're speaking with. And honestly, listen, the word of God is super powerful. Should you use the word of God? Yes, you should. But if someone has been so turned off by God and the Bible and is, you know, thinks ever all Christians are a hypocrite, okay, start throwing Bible verses at them. See how quickly you get them into the kingdom. They're just going to turn you off and walk away, right? Know who your audience is, you know, and, and if it's that person who's so offended by faith, just love them. Yeah. I think, it, you know, I've learned in my years of chaplaincy that, that people are, are different. You know, it's not a surprise. They're all different. But so often the church or whether it's, you know, further education or Christian programs, you know, especially if you're taught in evangelism or other things, they want to teach you a model and a method, something that's worked for them as they go out. And we tend to get stuck on these models and methods. And then, you know, we go out and we apply that to every single situation. And then you know, we realize people aren't responding. They don't want what we have and we're not getting good fruit. And so, you know, I started, you know, in my chaplain studies, I really invested a lot of time reading missionary stories because in so many ways in the chaplain field, it really connects to those early missionaries that they would, you know, when you go into the hospital, a lot of times you don't know the patient that you're going to, you know, nothing about them. So it's, it's very similar to these missionaries who would go into these remote areas where they know nothing about these people. They're starting from scratch. They have to connect. They have to build relationships. They have to figure out what are the needs? How can I help meet those needs? And so when I started approaching my chaplaincy that way and saying, okay, Lord, you know, I got to put everything that I know aside in this visit. My ear has to be attuned to you. And I'm going to trust that we're in this together, that as I go in there in faith, that you are going to show me what that person needs. And you're going to show me how to help meet that need in a way that blesses them. And without fail, the Lord has done that. You know, even I had one of my colleagues once, you know, he, 
he was so frustrated. He had had a bad day. He walked in for this visit. He got an honorary guy who's like, I don't want a chaplain. And he was like, great. I don't want to be a chaplain today. You know, and he put his badge down and sat with them, you know? Well, it was like a week later, I get kind of a same situation. I'm running like crazy. I walk into this room and I get this honorary, honorary vet. And I walk in, I was like, hi, I'm the chaplain. And he's like, I don't want no freaking chaplain, you know? <laughs> and I just like, the only thing in my mind was exactly what my colleague had done. And I grabbed my badge and I was like, great. I don't want to be a chaplain today anyway. I was like, but would it be okay with you if I just sat for a minute and visited? And he just started laughing. He was like, what the heck? You know, and he's like, sure, humor me. And I was like, okay. I was like, but I was actually hoping you would humor me. Seems like you maybe have had a lot more going on today than I have. And he just started laughing. And it actually opened up this door of a great conversation. I spent like two hours in the visit with the guy and what we both needed that day was just a little laughter and enjoying somebody else's presence. And when I got up to leave, he, he looked at me and he said, hey, chaplain, he said, will you come back and visit me tomorrow? And I was like, absolutely. So, you know, we never know. We have to be willing to listen to the Lord and to meet people where they're at. If I had gone in there, you know, with my chaplain hat, throwing all these verses at this guy, you know, it would have just been a very sour situation. You know, he, he wouldn't have wanted anything, but because I was willing to, you know, go off of his needs versus all the models and methods and tactics I had learned, you know, because I took the time just to be with him, it opened that door for me to come back and, continue to minister to his needs while he was there. And you know what, that fits so much in line with what's happening here in the chapter, uh, because you had to create an opening for them to listen to. Because if you said, no, I'm here as a chaplain, I was assigned and you're going to put up with me for the 30 minutes that <laughs> I'm designated to be here with you. You know, right. if, no, I'm not going to listen to a word you said. And that's what they said here, because Peter, he goes, you know, you killed him. You'd let a murderer go, but you put the you put your Messiah, whom we've been waiting for, to death. But then he says, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. So he's giving them a way out, right? Right. But things which God previously announced through the mouths of the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he fulfilled this. So you helped God fulfill his prophecy. Congratulations. You murdered the Christ, but you actually helped God. So now they can feel better. <laughs> I think it's a total mockery. I mean, I think he's calling them out because he knows they knew, you know, they, they weren't acting in ignorance. They knew exactly what they were doing when they took him out, you know? And yeah, I, I think so. But I think honestly, they had doubts in their mind that he was the real Messiah. They thought maybe he's a magic man or what, you know, they didn't know truly because if they knew truly that their eternal life depended on it, 
they wouldn't have done it just for power in this life. So I think there was some ignorance there on their behalf, but really it was selfishness. They decided to put a guy to death so they could keep power. It doesn't matter yeah. which way you cut it. But then, so he says, you know, hey, listen, you did it in ignorance. I get it. But hey, you helped God fulfill the prophecies anyways. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order of times refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So you can still have the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? But what's interesting here is he's talking to the holy ones, the upholders of the law, and he's telling them, repent, repent. Now you put Christ to death. You better repent. But if you do, you'll be refreshed. He's going to come. He's going to love you anyways. Like it just, there's so much here. I, I just, you know, Peter for, for an ignorant fisherman really became quite the eloquent speaker by now. Right. So this right. is evidence of the Holy spirit going into him. The little spitfire that he was. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and then it goes on and, you know, all the, pro all of the prophets. And that's another thing I like to point out here because it says, uh, uh, for Christ appointed whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, which God spoke his mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times somewhere in here. It says all prophets because, and let's face it, all prophets did speak of the coming of Christ, all the old Testament prophets, not one of them without fail. It was all about the coming of the Christ. So if you thought, okay, you know, right now in our times, we have some prophets or people calling themselves prophets. We're not sure if they're accurate prophets or not, but in these days, you know, for old Testament, every one of them spoke of the coming of the Lord. Yeah. Yep. They Without were waiting, fail. waiting for that Messiah to come. Yep. And then it, then it says this, and again, he's talking to the Pharisees, uh, but we, we just jumped down to, uh, to verse 23. And it shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, the prophets have spoken from Samuel to his successors onward have also announced that these, it is you who are the sons of the prophets of the covenant, which God ordained with your father saying to Abraham, all of your seed and families shall be blessed. And God raised up his servant first. So he's saying, look, you know what? Even then, look, God is the only way. Jesus is the only way. If you don't repent for your sins and hand them over to you, you're going to be destroyed. And that's a bit of a tough message, but it's an accurate message. Yeah. Very accurate. And, you know, not being afraid to call out those truths, you know, that there is only one way and, you know, but you still are able to repent, you know, and think about that. I guess this is the first time I'm actually like catching this, that, these were the ones that literally plotted and planned and saw to the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And even after that, you know, he, he raises, he's in the city for 40 days, 40 nights. And then he sends his disciples out to even tell these same people that they have that opportunity to repent and be saved. That's right. That's powerful. Yeah. 
there, there's one thing I want to address here, and uh, I'm not coming against the person who posted this, but I just want to make something really clear in case other people have this uh, perception. I think what Jesse and Jeff are referring to is so-called seeker-sensitive ministry, uh, sort of catering the message to the audience. So you're you're right, because I'm saying you have to know who you're speaking with. But a seeker-sensitive ministry, at least the definition that I see that, that's watered-down church who don't want to offend anyone. Uh, right. I'm I'm perfectly fine with offending people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just calls on you know the situation that you're in. In that's right. Seeker sensitive is more of where you're still doing all like you're deciding how it's best to approach that person versus what we're talking about is that you're being led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, two completely different things. There is no watering down. There's no backing out but it's just that you on you have that knowledge that wisdom that understanding of when to apply what you know like you know you can gauge in a situation that you know if you go in there you know flipping your bible pages open it's going to close that door so instead you know you go in there building that relationship first and then you open up the scripture as God leads you to. And it may even just be sharing, you know, a verse or a word or, you know, whatever it is. Like I find sharing from my own life experiences usually is what draws or impacts the hardest hearts the most. You know, they want to know your experience with God. What does that look like on a daily basis? You know, you say God speaks to you. How does God speak to you? You know, how does he speak to you in different situations? What did he say? How do you know you heard God's voice? Um, these are things that people really want to know. And especially, you know, the church is very scanty on being willing to discuss their sins or the things that are wrong. And this is probably the biggest area where we can have the most impact that as we're vulnerable, you know, um, you know, when I go into situations sometimes, you know, especially with men or, um, you know, there's so much guilt or shame from things in their past and they really find it hard to find value in themselves and, you know, don't feel like they can come into God's presence. And so when you start to share about your own dark history, you know, that, oh man, you know, like I've walked in darkness too. You know, I grew up, you know, in a family that was very heavy in witchcraft and other dark occultic things. And they're like, wait, what, you know? And, and they want to hear about that. They want to hear about, you know, the different things that I was engaged in. And then from there, how did God call me into that relationship? You know, and they want to know that they can be forgiven for any sin. But a lot of times they don't know how to take those steps. They don't know how that looks. So we have to be willing to share and you know, even share when God confronts us on hard things, you know, and that, that can be really difficult. Well, and, and that's the personal challenge. Um, 
so there is a time when you come out with the deep things of God's word. And so for instance, someone who was saved, but has fallen away, uh, you might need to come out with the real meat of God's word to get that person back. Um, but you know, uh, depends on just different situations. And, but the key is, you know, when you look at what Jesus ministry was, he was very relational. He disarmed people. He went to the lady at the well, you know, at different things. And, there here's here's the personal risk that you have to take do you have to be vulnerable in front of people if you're not vulnerable you have no intimacy and you have to have intimacy to have proper relationships and listen jesse and i uh, i've confessed you know uh, my sins my weaknesses in front of jesse because she has to know who her you know who she's working with and we have to have that relationship uh i've also on this program said what some of my struggles are um mm -hmm. you know um i don't get into a lot of detail in my past about things i did before i became a christian because quite honestly it just doesn't glorify god you know um my testimony really started when i got saved mm -hmm. that's that's the true testimony of Christ in my life. But for some people on a personal measure, I'll tell them because they can relate because it relates somehow to their life. Right. Yeah. And look, God pulled me up. He can pull you up. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where it, you know, it needs to go is that, you know, as we're each in that journey and we share that experience with how the Lord's working in our lives, that impacts people. You know, you can get up, you can start speaking from the word, you know, given your sermon and you're going to look out at your audience and see that they're sleeping, that they don't want to hear it. But when you start bringing it into your personal experience and say, you know, man, you know, I was walking down, walking through the park one day and I saw an elderly man on a bench and the Lord literally said to me, go talk to that man, you know, and I began to wrestle with God. I was like, wait, no, I don't even know that guy. I got to, you know, get going to work. And, you know, I was arguing with God and literally the Lord froze my feet in that spot and would not allow me to take another step forward until I turned and went and talked with the man, you know, and, you know, I, I was able to sit, I was able to preach to him the gospel and then the Lord allowed me to leave. So I don't know what came out of that. But for whatever reason, the Lord wanted me there to preach that gospel to him that day. Um, you know, others, it's been years, you know, where it may even be prayers. Um, you know, I've had several people where I just felt so compelled to write prayers for them. Uh, one of them was a gentleman that, you know, he was like, can you, can you stay? Um, and, and just, you know, just come every day and pray for me. And I, I really couldn't, like I had, um, so many visits that I had to do that it was like, I really couldn't make that commitment to him. But after I had left, like I felt so just nudged inside and the Lord had reminded me that in my personal Bible studies, I had been studying and pulling the prayers out of the books of Paul in scripture. 
And the Lord was like, you've written all of these prayers that Paul said out in your prayer journal. So the Lord said, why don't you take 10 minutes tonight, write those prayers down and go take them to him. And he'll have prayers to read then for the next few days. What was interesting was I wrote six prayers down and I went back to him and he wasn't in the room. So I left this little note that said, hey, God put it on my heart. Um, you know, and, and so he gave me a couple prayers for you to be able to pray the next six days. And I left that on his uh, stand there by the hospital bed and then left. Well, what was even more interesting was that on that sixth day, the Lord took him home. But he had those six prayers uh, to pray each of those days before the Lord did that. So very interesting how sometimes how God works. Well, God uses you in that way a lot, Jesse, because one of the things that uh, that you do, and anyone who knows you or has received anything from you, has, always has a, something really beautifully personalized. And how you even take time to do all that is, you know, you you just really have a gift for that. I, I that's one of the things that I, I really hold you in high esteem for is that gift. Uh, whenever I've received things from you, it's like, I read it and it, it's just so touching to my life. And I know you do that for everyone. Well, I, I think you do. I guess I shouldn't say, I know you do, but I think you do because you do. Uh, anyways, listen, I think we've gone, uh, over the, the meat and potatoes of the chapter. We probably got a little bit more personal than we do normally on this one, but it's, uh, I think it was a, just a great conversation around scripture. Yeah, it was. So, um, God bless every one of you. And, uh, thank you for being here with us and thank you for supporting Jesse and I, as we go through these things, we've got some stuff coming up in the, in the next week that, uh, will be, well, hopefully a blessing to you in some way. Any final words, Jesse? I, you know, I would just encourage, you know, anybody out there who is seeking that deeper relationship with the Lord, you know, use the time as we're studying through this book of Acts just to draw all the closer. Um, you know, there's, I'll just maybe put it this way. We all have areas of sin that we need to be continually tending. You know, we need to bring those things before the Lord on a daily basis. And every day is a new day. So, you know, if you're really struggling in an area, um, don't let that area, the guilt, the shame, or the unworthy feelings that come with that keep you from striving towards that better relationship with the Lord. You know, what this chapter really shows us is that you know, we can have that healing and whatever that area that's crippling your life, you know, just take the Lord's hand and let him pull you up into that standing position and take joy, proclaim that healing over that or proclaim that healing and that victory in his name. And from this day forward, just go forth, you know, know that God's given it to you as a testimony, whatever that struggle that you're going to meet other people who have that same struggle. And you can say, Hey, yeah. I, I struggled with that too, but guess what? 
the Lord gave me the victory and I am confident he will give you the victory in this as well. So Jesse, why don't you, why don't you say a prayer for that? Why don't we turn that into absolutely. prayer? All right. Lord, we just thank you that you are a God of hope. You are a God of restoration. You are the Lord whose banner over us is love. And as we march forth in that banner, you give us the victory over every sin, over every enemy, over every weapon that comes against us. You give us that victory. So we just proclaim that. And Lord, I ask that as we go forth today, that you would show us how to turn those things that may have brought shame or guilt or feelings of unworthiness in our lives around so that we can just walk forward in the fullness of your love and minister to those who are struggling with the same things. So release to us that abundance of healing and ministry. We ask for this today in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I guess I'm supposed to add the release of the miracles, Lord. I ask that you just release to us all the miracles that you intend to give to us in your powerful name. And I guess the only thing I could add to that is remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community.